If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. This is Everything is Personal with Len May. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to another episode of Everything is Personal. And I'm introducing my lovely co-host that's not wearing a mask today, by the way, Mr. John Small. Welcome. What is up, people? Uh, and I am, in case I'm going to be confused with Donald Trump, I, I usually wear a mask, but I'm locked away in my office and everybody is about 400 feet from me. So uh, maybe, as as- maybe you can get one of those cocktails that uh, Donald got. It seems to work within yeah. two days. Oh, he's amazing. What, a, what an incredible immune system he has and what, a, what an amazing man. Okay. On that bright, cheery note, so I guess I, we shouldn't let our politics play into our podcast, but there you go. You I, just hate, I hate it. the man. No, po- no politics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but you're wearing an L.A. Uh, hat. And yeah, represent. I want to congratulate the Lakers. I'm not a Laker fan. I'm not a not a, not a Laker fan. I'm a Sixers fan, but I respect uh, the Lakers, and they did it for Kobe. So I'm, Yeah, um, I'm sort of a fair-weather Laker fan. I do it for Kobe. I love Kobe. Um, I'm a Knicks fan. I think, you know, we love the yeah. teams that we we grew up with. The Knicks of the 90s were actually quite a great team. The Knicks, oh, yeah. the Knicks of, yeah, the Patrick Ewing era, John Starks era. You know what? You know, just, uh, I don't mean to jump on what you're saying, but uh, I think it's an East Coast thing. Yeah. The people follow their team. Like, I know Jet fans that are here and they like, they're diehard Jets. No matter what the Jets do, they're just Jet That's fans. That's true. But, but people that are like LA or, or middle of the country, maybe Chicago and maybe Minnesota is a, uh, an exception for the most part, like East Coast people. They kind maybe of that's because be... most people actually are born in the East Coast and people that live in Los Angeles tend to be like transplants. I mean, a lot of people that's are born good, here, including my kids. Good point. But it's like, there's a lot of transplants here. A lot of Chicago Cubs fans, a lot of Boston Red yeah. Sox fans. The Philadelphia fans are insufferable. They just love their Eagles and their Sixers yeah. and their Phillies. It's true. But um, we, we, full, full for full. That, that was the same. Full for all the four teams. We got right. all the four teams. I mean, I know New York fans are annoying, but Philadelphia fans are even more annoying. Um, uh, throwing, ice, annoying. throwing ice at quarterbacks <laughs> and stuff. But this is the Everything is Personal podcast, and, and really yeah. everything's personal. How come you called yeah. it Everything is Personal, Len? You know, the company uh, that I, I run, Endo Canna Health, and we believe that cannabis is personal. So we started with cannabis. But now that I'm looking at everything, I believe that everything is personal. Not only is it on the product side, like everything I get, my my therapeutics, my vitamins, my cell, everything I get is personal. But I believe that we all have a personal way to interpret things. If I say something to you, you interpret it in a personal way. You say something to me, I interpret it in a personal way. Like uh, one of the things that I, I want to talk about today was an experience that I've had. 
And this is my personal experience that the audience, the listeners, they can have a personal experience with it and see it and hear it and feel it in a different way. So uh, just to kind of preface, and I think I need to do this disclaimer. I probably did it before, but I want to just say it out loud so everybody knows. I'm not a healthcare professional. I'm not a doctor. Anything I talk about, I'm not making any claims, no recommendations. So whatever you hear here is anecdotal, unless uh, John has some sort of degree that I don't know about. I'm not sure if he has any medical expertise specifically. I'm a doctor of love. That's it. (laughs) Doctor of love. All right. So any any love advice, uh, (laughs) John is definitely qualified to give you. Other than that, uh, we're both not qualified to give medical advice. But I want to talk about this story. And this is a personal story to me. So everything is personal. This is what happened. About four and a half years ago, I was contacted by a a gentleman named Ken and his wife, and uh, they were both diagnosed with cancer. Hmm. And and they they lived in Pennsylvania, and I was in L.A. So they uh, decided to fly out and meet with me. And he had a really interesting, uh, interesting is probably not the right word to use, but form of cancer. It started in his eye, and it started moving into his brain. Hmm. And it was very aggressive. And he would said, I'm willing to try anything. They gave him months to live. And he just passed away over a week ago. I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, but he was consuming a protocol, which was, he was supposed to live for a few months, but he actually ended up living for over almost five years. So I want to attribute this to several different factors. And this is what I want to kind of convey as, as another message such a beautiful human being because he was so concerned about his wife's cancer and what can we do about my wife and what can we, so there was a lot of love. There was a lot of self-care. There was a belief. And I remember he said to me that I want to make sure that when the green reaper comes, he or she will realize that I squeezed every single piece of lemon that I possibly could. There was nothing left. We did everything. We tried everything. And I left it all on the table and I can peacefully move. So that mindset, along with, you know, cannabinoid profile, modifying nutrition, he did stem cell research, uh, therapy and all that stuff. There was so many different things that he was trying and it ended up years and years when it could have been months. So that mental state, and I truly, truly believe in that, that mindset that you come with that changes a lot of things for people. And I've seen this over the years too. There's like two types of people. Like you get a diagnosed with something, you're like, oh shit, you know, that's it. Uh, I've had it now. I get a last will and testament and uh, I got to, you know, sign all the documents because I only have six months. And I actually got a lot of that during the early stages of, uh, of COVID. Like these people, oh shit, I'm, I'm sick. I'm going to get sick. Let me get my affairs in order and all that stuff. And then mm. other people are like, you know, what can I do? I'm going to work on my immune system, make sure that I can control what I can control. So I believe that mindset is a number one factor for modulating all the other things within our bodies. And obviously you have to do things, but that was a huge lesson for me. And I've seen that happen, you know, so many times throughout uh, my quote unquote cannabis career. Uh, I've seen that so many times where people come in and they've given months to live or they've tried everything and they're in desperation. And now, you know, and they've survived for years and some of them are cancer free. I'm not in, I'm not making any claims that cannabis cures cancer, but I have 
real anecdotal evidence of people that were diagnosed and uh, are you know living cancer free and some of them combine chemo and other therapies with cannabis and also uh, are living fruitful lives to the best of their ability just want to kind of share that story yeah that's an amazing story now again i'm sorry about your loss i can't believe that he and his wife had cancer at the same time yeah that is extraordinary is she still with us She's still with us. She she's actually the one that told me in the most casual way that Ken passed. Mm. She emailed me and said, "Oh, by the way, uh, Ken passed, and uh, I just wanted to see. So I won't be needing that protocol anymore. But can you please uh, uh, help me find what was uh, what I was consuming as well? So I'll take more of that, even more of that. But uh, we don't need Ken's protocol anymore." And I was like, "Shit, I I'm so sorry." And it was just like it hit me. I yeah. felt that, but for her, it was like a peaceful closure to a chapter that was supposed to be months that ended years, and it seemed to me like she was okay with that. Huh. Well, I hear these stories again and again as the editor of Green Entrepreneur Magazine. I get a lot of stories like this that come across my desk of you know the healing power of cannabis, and while I'm not a medical doctor, and I would always encourage anybody to you know seek traditional medical help first the anecdotal evidence is definitely very compelling and it's very tragic that you know there's not more studies on this and part of that is just because cannabis is federally illegal and therefore people can't study it like they would other plants and and compounds and so that part is really just tragic because it could it seems to me that it could really save a lot of people's lives and certainly we know that cannabis helps you know, with the symptoms of, of right. um, very painful and diseases. But I appreciate you sharing that story with us. And yeah. it is it is yeah. amazing. It's just one one of many of those stories that I, that I hear over and over again. And um, yeah, yeah. But ca- cannabis is federally illegal in the U.S., but it's not federally illegal in Canada and in Israel. It's true. Where they are conducting a tremendous amount of research. It just a lot of the research is uh, has been blocked, but we're moving in the right direction. And you're absolutely right that the information that we get is fantastic. We talk about cannabis. It's really interesting. It's plant medicine, right? Yeah. So we just happen to have this one plant that's around 500 different substances. We got to figure out which ones of those substances work best for what uh, symptomatic conditions work best for people's uh, genetics, etc. And uh, so it's a, it's a long way. It's not just one compound. Yeah. But that's pharma is used to a compound. So they're taking, all right, let's see what we can do with CBD. CBD is new. And yeah, that's now the next one is CBG right. and CBN. And uh, you're going to go through all 500 of them. Uh, that's going to be a really difficult uh, process. So right. I think uh, there's going to be two lanes for this, a kind of nutraceutical phase, and, the, and then they'll do specific compounds. But as I was saying, you've heard the stories. I've heard the stories. It's definitely been effective for many people for many many different conditions i had a call from a buddy of mine uh, from uh, from philly his mom got diagnosed with cancer and she got several different conditions uh, that are going on at the same time there's some uh, dementia uh there's diabetes there's all kinds of issues now she's got a, an aggressive melanoma he reached out and asked me like uh uh, what can you do to help? And the funny thing is that he and a bunch of uh, the crew over there used to kind of uh, look down and say, you're, you know, lens, uh, lens that stoner, that druggie. 
And I had the conversation. I actually challenged him about it. I'm like, yo, man, not, not that I'm not going to help you. Not that I'm not, of course, I'm going to do whatever I can. But I'm just bringing this up that, you know, 30 years ago or whatever it was, you guys were saying, he goes, absolutely. We didn't know. We all thought that people are just smoking weed or stoners and, and druggies. And we had no idea. But what you've been doing for the last many years, we've been following that. And we've seen. And now, you know, I had the same thing with a, a kid somebody that, whose kids got cancer, like a five-year-old that reached out to me, same kind of thing. And it's not just cancer, as we said, many different things, but the perception is absolutely changing. And the more research and the more of this, just having a conversation, a casual conversation saying, this is what happened to Ken, or this is what what's happening with Mary, or, or and I had a migraine, and instead of taking an Advil, I took a CBD oil with quality and mm-hmm. alleviate that that's the kind of conversation that uh, I want to encourage people to have. And once we have more of those conversations, the stigma starts going away. And as the stigma goes away, those generations start, you know, that your brain on drugs kind of uh, generation, yeah. a commercial, all that stuff, that starts going away too. That's my feeling. I think you make great points. And I love that we're talking about it and putting it out there. And, you know, I encourage the people who are listening to this podcast to share their stories you know, with us, with you. I mean, you're very available publicly. Um, you're on all the social media platforms. Yeah. You know, shout it, shout out at Len and let him know what's going on because he's somebody who's very invested both personally and financially in the business of cannabis uh, and in the world. And 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 he's seen firsthand, you know, what, what this plant can do. I, you know, to me, it's been very much of a revelation because I went into this industry of cannabis a little bit kind of I don't know, skeptical. And I might have had some of the same preconceived stereotypes about cannabis that I think a lot of people do. Um, and I'm not from like an old generation. You know, I'm, 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 I'm cool. I'm hip. Um, I smoked pot when I was a kid in high school. We all heard those stories. But um, it's definitely changed my mind a lot. And again, it's not just cannabis. It's all, uh, all plant medicine. You know, I love it also as a supplementary to that's why I love integrative medicine, because I love the idea that you can use both. Like it's not either or. People think, oh, you know, he's not going to take another drug, another pharmaceutical drug in his life. He's just going to take cannabis for the, you know, like, what's that all about? And I think you have to be, you know, you have to understand that this is, we're talking about uh, integrative. We're talking about both types of medicine and there's place for both. And I think both cannabis people and traditional medicine people need to be open-minded to each other's beliefs. There's too many purists out there. No, it's got to be just cannabis and that's it. I mean, we have the best surgeons in the world in the, the West and arguably, but they're looking at symptomatic conditions. You have a pain, they're going to go out and address that pain. But as preventative medicine, I really like the Eastern philosophy of that as well. So if you combine both of those together, as you're saying, integrative, uh, you're able to get yourself in in that mode of healing prior to actually needing the healing because you already are expressing whatever it is you're going through. Right. So that's a supplementary way to consume cannabis for sure. I agree with that. And, and just... One last thing on this, it's not, as you said, it's plant medicine. It has a lot to do with set and setting, how you do it. And if you do it with uh, somebody who's overseeing it, like I know there's a lot of studies going on right now and not just even plant medicine. You have things with ketamine uh, that are being examined right now. You have MDMA, but they're being administered by professionals in a set and setting that they can see clinically and they can see what the outcome is. And if somebody is actually having an adverse reaction, they can guide them through that. Like we used to have uh, 
the same thing with your friends if you have a bad acid trip you better have your buddy yeah he's got your back and we talked about that with cannabis as well but uh you know all these different substances now you have these uh the shamans it's hmm. the the topanga shaman who's uh who comes out and they're like oh we're gonna we're gonna administer ayahuasca we're all gonna sit there in a room and uh you're gonna drink this uh substance and then when people start purging and all that stuff and it, it's not really as much of a guided experience as you would when you have set and setting yeah, I just believe in that. So you don't believe in Topanga okay. Shaman necessarily. You like, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. I've been asked. I almost went on a ketitation, which is like a ketamine meditation. There's a guy <laughs> who was coming out to LA and wanted to lead me on a on a ketitation. He had he had had really good. Uh, first of all, he's made a movie about it, about this about ketamine, and he worked with Lamar Odom and has apparently benefited Lamar Odom. Talk about the Lakers uh, tremendously. And uh, he wanted me to do it. And I, you know, I actually called a doctor to make sure I could even do ketamine, you know, based on because I'm taking uh, one anti-anxiety medication. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you can you can take it. So I might do it. But and if I do it, I'll come back and report to everybody what my experience is like. I'm terrified, yeah. but I am curious. I, about I've it. done it. I've done it. So I've, I've okay. done it. And uh, are you getting the IM? The intramuscular injection. I don't know. I, before I do it, I'll find out exactly. So it's a different. So it's it's about dose, and mm -hmm. if you're starting it, I've done it. He'll and, do very low uh, and slow. I'm sure. Yeah. If you if you do it low and slow, uh, you may get into what's called a K hole. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you have a guide, which you're you go you go in with yeah. this, right? You go in, and once you go in and you have that experience, it's a very enlightening experience, very calming experience. Uh, you, there is a breakthrough. But it's a completely different experience than when doing it recreationally. Like mm -hmm. uh, back in the day uh, in the rave scene or yeah. club scene, whatever you want to say, yeah, I dabbled it recreationally in that kind of. And it's a completely different experience when you're right. doing it recreationally. It's like a, a party drug. And I've seen people get into K-holes with that as well. Yeah. So I would say that definitely. Yeah. You want a guide. You want a guide, yeah. And I, I have some suggestions for you, too. Okay. Really, music. Yeah, clinics. I hear music. Yeah, we're going to a clinic. It's not. Yeah, clinics and set and setting. I've uh, Outdoors is beautiful for that mm -hmm. if you're able to do something that's outdoors and you can do eyes closed, eyes open, depending on what. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely have a guide. But it's with every single type of substance, set and setting. Yeah. Uh, Even cannabis. Pot. Yeah. So, Our John, I see you wearing an Adidas shirt today. Yes, this, this uh, podcast um, is brought to you by you Adidas. Know, Brought to you by Adidas. Uh, Adidas, you hear that if uh, you want yeah, to. Yeah, if you want to sponsor. Len at EndoDNA, please, or wherever you want to find Len May, uh, hit us up. We'll, we'll be happy to accept your dollars. But uh, today, uh, since uh, one of our last podcasts, you had a, an amazing low-end theory tribe shirt. Yes. I'm wearing a – got to get the dog off my lap, too. I'm wearing an oh, old-school Run DMC. Run D. M C C D That's cool. So, 85 tour. That's so that was a that. great. I mean 85. That's Is that my Adidas? No, King that of Rock. That is my yeah. No, that is uh King of Rock. Uh, yeah. I'm the King of uh, Rock. King of Rock. There ain't yeah, right? none higher. King of Rock. Sucker MCs and yep. call me side. Oh, that's an incredible. <laughs> incredible. Incredible. Uh era uh, of know, Run DMC. That was Yeah, and I, I love that and then when Rock the Bells came out. Yeah, LL Cool J's Rock the Bells. Man. That man, was, it, I don't know, it just seems like it was so much better back then. We're going to, later in the show, we're going to start uh, opening up each other's mind to, to newer stuff. And, yeah. and even the old that's, classic stuff that we might have missed. That's what I think we got to start doing, too. We, we talked about it. It's it's very, very difficult. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about it later in the show. But it's, it's difficult to be, to find new music 
that has that kind of feel, but maybe we can help yeah, each other. Yeah, maybe we can help each other recreate it. So I have a question for you. Yes. Have you ever, in, in business, have you ever had a uh, good partnership experience or a really bad partnership experience? That is an interesting question because I feel like I haven't had too many business partnerships, and most of them have not really gone that well. I've kind of gone into endeavors with friends and things like that, and they just haven't really lasted or gone that well. But I'm actually in a partnership right now. Uh, the reason we have this podcast is part of a partnership with a company called Strike Fire Productions, which I thought of, which is a podcast production company. And my partner, who I will who will be nameless only because she's kind of a silent partner in this project, she's been a really amazing partner and it's kind of like been the partner that i've been looking for all these years but didn't really realize it and i hope she's listening um but she probably won't be but i'll tell her that i said this very nice stuff about her but i, uh, I can tell her too yeah you can tell her too great, great. so she has been great and here's why usually when i've gotten into partnerships it turns out that it's two people that have the same skill sets becoming partners in a business right and like it's usually for me it's like the creative so i have a lot of friends who are creative like hey let's make a this company and then two creative guys and we're good at one thing, like, you know, we're, we're very good at like brainstorming ideas, but you know, we didn't have that business acumen necessarily. And she has come at it. She's a straight business person. Doesn't, not that interested in the creative part of it. Um, really defers to me, which is very appreciated and just thinks of things that I would never think of about how to scale our business, you know, ways to follow up with people to make the business more interesting to them, how to close all these things that she's teaching me and it's just been kind of uh, eye-opening and revelatory. And I realized it's sort of like what I hope to be like a Waz meets Steve Jobs type of relationship. <laughs> Although I don't know which one I am in that in that uh, equation. But, you know, like that's the classic sort of business partnership right. that worked, right? Where it's like you've got the, 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 the marketing guru in Jobs and the sort of technical guru in Waz. And um, she's the business, you know, she's a real business guru and I love it. So... Yes, my advice is find somebody that has doesn't have the same skill set you have, but makes you look better, um, respects yeah. your skill set. Why do you ask? Because I'm so grateful for my partner now. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the the absolute best partner I've ever had, and and I've I've had so many partnerships. Now I'll, I'll talk about that, and this one is the best, and I'll tell you why I think it's the best. Yeah, the number one reason that this partnership works is trust. So, and you mentioned it too, like partnership is like a marriage, right? Yep. You get into a partnership, you have to have alignment of values. So your values need to ha be aligned with whoever you're partnering with. And once you have that alignment of values, now you go through skill sets. And then it's very, very difficult to have two alpha outgoing mm -hmm. people who want the spotlight on them because now you have a conflict. So I'm grateful that my partner allows me the spotlight because I think that's something I need in the in the partnership. And the behind the scenes stuff is amazing. And there's a lot of stuff that I don't like to do. And yeah. he does. Right. And vice versa. So there's a great, great marriage here. But I had to learn the hard way. And that goes, I think those experiences build calluses and this this mistrust. And it's very difficult for people to be able to be in partnership. Like I had people told me when I was getting the partnerships, hey, make sure you're overseeing the money, make sure you're you know, this and yeah. that. And this is the, these are all the people that were hurt before. So you're yeah. walking around with these wounds and scars. And uh, yeah, I have plenty of those uh, 
know, from partnerships that I've had. Yeah, knock on wood, I have not. But I haven't had that many businesses. So I'm, you know, and I think part of the reason is because I'm not a very good business person necessarily, or I don't, it's just not a, a muscle that I flex that often. I shouldn't put myself totally down. I think I'm okay at business. I just think certain people, uh, like sounds like your partner, my partner, you know, she enjoys working on things that aren't as interesting to me. She likes, you know, doing the contracts and, yeah. um, you know, figuring out the marketing and she really digs that. She likes coming up with systems. Um, right. This is the stuff that makes me want to kill myself. So <laughs> I think it's so important to find somebody. Yes, I think trust is the absolute number one thing. You know, I'm still on the fence about friendship, whether you should ever go into a partnership with a friend. You know, it helps to like somebody, obviously, um, or to have, you know, to feel comfortable. But I don't think you have to be friends with them. And I think sometimes when you're friends with your partner, a lot of personal stuff gets in the way um, and can be very tricky. I know that I've had experiences where, like, friends have owed me money, um, and it's really awkward to kind of talk to a friend about that. You know, with my partner now, if she owed me money, it would just it wouldn't be weird because we're business partners. So it's like, okay, where's my money? You know, it's just like not this thing. I'm friends with my partner, but I we weren't friends like who got into business together. We yeah, became, became friends, friends because we are partners. But it's that, and and it's and you're absolutely right. It's awkward because I have friends of mine that work with my company. You know, we hang out personally, and then I can be a dick sometimes, and uh, as you know, I, I'm running a business, so I, I'm just focused on that. And then I think it resonates a little bit in our personal lives. We go out and like, oh, we had an interaction at work. Now we're hanging out personally at dinner. Why are you so quiet? Yeah. What happened? Oh, you know, I'm just not feeling it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. I, it must have been something I said. But uh, it's definitely an interesting lesson uh, for me. But you're absolutely right. It's it's because I went into business with friends. So I was going to Temple University. I was in uh, going to be a physical therapist because my parents you know, talked me into this whole physical therapy thing, even though I always wanted to go into music, mm-hmm. which, you know, it didn't happen. But That's another I, lesson. Don't listen to your parents. <laughs> it definitely do not listen to your parents. Absolutely. On professional, 100% on professional follow, advice. Follow your gut instinct because anybody who's young listening, you have all your life ahead of you. This is your opportunity. Right. Go and do it and you fail. Like I have a, I'm sorry, my, my, I have a squirrel moment right now. My ADD kicked in. <laughs> I know. That was my fault because I said don't listen to your parents, <laughs> no, which you is said, true. I'll go back to that. I'll go back to this story. But it's it's really it's really important, I think, that people get this. I, I, go, I belong to these groups, like men's groups, and we go in, and, I have, and people have fear. Fear, fear, fear always leads a lot of things. And I'm, I'm trying to find fear of what? And fear of failure is yeah, a huge, huge thing for men. And I'm like, for sure. fear of failure. And it's like, well, you either win or you learn. What the hell is failure anyway? It means you have a lesson. Like I've been robbed before, you know, in business for a hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, fuck, man, that's an education. I can I can go to Harvard to get that education. I paid a hundred thousand dollars. I know what not to do, and there's no way anybody will teach you that stuff. It's got to sting. That failure has got to sting a little bit, so it doesn't get repeated again. So I think it's really important. And to be able to know and have a different experience. And, and, and when you were talking about personal, that personal feeling with failure gets people over these uh, challenges that they create in their, own, in their own minds, because that is where failure resides. It's just in your mind. And if right. you look at it as an opportunity, an obstacle to overcome, a challenge, and shit, I didn't do it this time, 
like David Goggins talks about that all the time. If anybody doesn't know David Goggins, please Google him. He's like an extraordinary uh, superhuman person, but he's always pushing himself. And I'm not encouraging anybody to push himself to that level, but it's your mindset with failure. And if people can get past that, you will try a lot more things and, you know, remove the safety net off yourself because it doesn't need to be there. When you fall, you're not falling that far down. Yeah. You're going to get back up and you're going to learn from that experience. It's the people that kind of repeat the same things over and over. Those are the people that those are the insane the people. Yeah. But, <laughs> that is the definition of insanity. Yeah, you're right. That's what right. I said. But I also think overcoming your fears and, and actually, you know, coming out on top or just conquering your your limitations, it's also a secret to happiness, too. I think a lot of people just want to be, you know, happy all the time and they don't realize that actually you feel really good about yourself when you, not necessarily when you fail, but when you when you overcome some of your fears and kind of come out on the other side. I think it's actually a, a good feeling, and even though it's scary when you're in the middle of it and it's not pleasant, nobody likes to fail or to have, you know, there's something um, very freeing about pushing through it um, that I found yeah. in, in my later life. You know, all these things that I learn now in my twilight years um, <laughs> that I wish I knew when I was 20. And maybe you just, you know, you're not ready to hear it when you're 20. You know, people have been telling me since I've been 20, you know, don't fear failure. I mean, that's definitely something that I hear a lot, but it doesn't really make, it makes more sense to me now uh, as an adult, a much older yeah. seasoned adult. But I agree. I think, you know, push through it. I think my parents, uh, for all their wonderful um, assets, you know, really discouraged a lot of things early on in my life that I was very passionate about. DJing was one of them. Um, you know, they just, you know, and I get it as a parent now, I get it. You'd want to steer your kid to something that, you know, you know, like what, what's a future in DJing, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, but I mean, they didn't, I, there's a huge future yeah, in what, a lot of DJs. What they didn't realize is that I could have been Paul Oakenfeld or, you know, you could have been Paris Hilton. Exactly. They could have been Paris Hilton. So they didn't get it. So, you know, they didn't see that. They didn't, weren't able to see that. And I didn't even, you know, at the time, like the biggest DJ was probably like Jam Master J and I was nothing like Jam Master J. So, you know, look. I understand where they're coming from. My son's the same way. You know, we, I find myself parroting my parents and telling them what to do and, you know, telling them, oh, you've got to do this. If you want to be a musician, you got to do that. I think the best advice that my grandfather ever gave my father, who actually ended up, my father was a very well-known, famous film composer who actually lived his dream. You know, he's a guy who, sure, he had failures, but he actually lived what he wanted to do his whole life, right, uh, and was successful doing it. But my grandfather said to my father, have a backup plan. And I do think that was wise. And I say it to my kids, but it's like, it's not like you've got to only do this, you know, go for your dream, have maybe have a little backup plan. Maybe physical therapy was a good backup plan just in case, you know, the other stuff, the music stuff didn't work out. You just have that. I I, kind of disagree. Really? Yeah. So I I believe that you should not have any backup plan. You just go for it. I believe, well, there's a Tony Robbins story that he talks about Cortez and going to the island and you kind of, uh, have all these men on the island and uh, they need to survive and everybody's sort of, ah, you know, this is going to be a pain in the ass. And uh, at night he burns the boats. So they have no other choice. There is no plan B. Mm. When you have no plan B, you're, all your neurotransmitters and everything in your brain is geared towards that end goal, that point. If you have a plan B, you're floundering. You can always have a backup. That backup happens when and if that first plan doesn't succeed. Now you'll figure it out because along the way, it's a journey. You'll learn a lot of things. And if it didn't happen for you, it didn't happen for you. Now, having said that, my daughter's an actor. She wants to graduate from school a year early. 
mm-hmm. and uh, because she wants to pursue a career like she she's pushing, she wants to go to college she's pushing it she's pushing your parenting right this is hard i mean this is you know because we I'm all know for it okay. i'm 100 percent for it. and the the dean goes to her oh you know a lot of people fail uh what's your plan b and she yeah. gets up she goes i have no plan b this is what i am and this is who i'm gonna be and this is what i'm gonna do hmm. and i was like you go you tell her because there's always options you can take yeah. you're too young the caveat to that is the journey can be difficult. So having other skill sets to be able to support your vision or your dreams, that's good. If you're going to humble yourself, you're going to waiter, waiter. If you're going to drive an Uber, drive an Uber, do whatever you have to do. Hey, I have to do what I have to do sell weed or work mm-hmm. at a tower record, whatever you have to do, you have to do to pursue. But if you have that vision, it laser focuses you on everything else and you can blinders on and just say, I'm going to achieve. And I think people that do that, more or less achieve their dreams. Maybe it's not in a year, maybe it's not a five years, maybe it's a 10 year run and you learn skills along the way. I definitely believe in this hyper-focus, even though I have ADD, so it's hard for me to hyper-focus, but I think that the journey that I had, because I still had that dream, that spark inside of me, still allowed me to get to where I am even 30 years later. No, I appreciate uh, that. I think you know, you're right in a lot of ways. And now that you've said that, I'm gonna give up on my plan B and <laughs> and devote myself to full time um, making uh, shower caps. Chip and nailed it. Chip yeah, and nailed being it. a chip and. Da- I was going to be. A, I was going to say making it, be working in a shower cap factory, but no. I uh, but actually uh, of, of working in Chippendales because that has always been my dream, and I think I have the body for it and, and the temperament. I, but I um, so all right. And you're an excellent dancer, by the way. <laughs> so let, let me let me go back to my story because I yes, bookmarked that when I had the scroll moment. Just as an example of partnerships, we were talking about it. There was a, a friend of mine in uh, in the university, and he said, I was always talking about, my dad gave me a bit of advice. He, he doesn't give a lot of great advice, but when he does, it's it's actually pretty good. So early, in the very, very early uh, stage of the internet, this is back in late 80s. He was like, this internet thing is incredible. Like, if you can figure out how to get involved in internet, uh, you'll make some money someday. I'm like, okay. So I always kept that in the back of my mind. And I believe in this putting it out in the universe. When you actually put it out and you say it, there's an attraction to that. Like it actually happens if you're aware of it. And I wasn't aware of it back then, but now that I see my life going through, it definitely is something that I resonate with. A friend of mine said, my brother is doing something in his room. He's doing something with the internet. It's bulletin boards. This is back in maybe 1990, let's say, uh, before Netscape and for all of you young kids it used to be a company called Netscape and it was a browser. And before that we used Mozilla, which is what I used. Right. Uh, but anyway, I'll skip all that. This is before like Google and, uh, and uh, Yahoo and all that stuff. So he goes, my, my brother's sitting in the attic and all he's doing is working on these bulletin boards. He's programming something. He never leaves. He has coffee and he smokes cigarettes and he gets pizza delivered and he's doing something. Uh, it's something to do with the internet. Long story short, he was building this virtual mall. I mean, now it's rudimentary, but for that time, it was pretty interesting. And he didn't know what to do with it. So we partnered. I was the sales guy, basically. He was the programmer. I would walk around with a 96 broadband modem, black and white laptop that was uh, like uh, as thick as uh, probably a, a suitcase. And I would go and, you know, and it made that sound that everybody remembers, or you can go Google when the, the modem connects uh, kind of sound. But I would go to shops and sell them 
a website, but the website was this door that you push in the virtual mall and uh, you're, you know, it has your email. I have to explain what the World Wide Web is, what the email is uh, and all that stuff. So we ended up getting uh, some customers, a bunch of different customers. And we had a, a meeting with a very large company for that time uh, who was a neighbor in his brother's company's building. And we got a handshake deal that we finalized and it was good. We, it, was, it was a pretty big deal for us. So I'm trying to, uh, we were supposed to get together and sign the contract. So I'm calling and calling and calling. Nobody's picking up the phone. So I ended up doing one of those things that you see in the movie. I, I walk in and I, I kind of go past the secretary and I go in the office. I'm like, hey, you know, what's going on? I don't know any better. I'm like mm-hmm. 20. And he uh, goes, uh, oh, you should talk to your partner. Mm. Like, oh, I should talk to my partner. So I go in the building and I see my friends in their company and my partner is sitting there in their office. So they ended up taking the contract and hiring my partner to actually do the work. Mm. For this. So, you know, I ended up uh, doing a buyout. I had the company. I didn't know what I was doing. I ended up hiring people and, you know, survived and then ended up uh, selling the company at some point. But that was my first experience where holy shit, like we're friends, we have values, I thought, all that stuff, but I, there was a pattern of getting screwed. And I believe that the pattern was something that I was manifesting myself because there is ego, there is uh, the way that you work with partners. It's like you said, it's it, there's a marriage, there's a partnership, there's a values. Now, I didn't think that I brought that to the table. And I've had that happen several times. My last, very last partnership before I met Eric, who is my partner now, and I'll mention his name. Shout out to Eric. <laughs> he probably won't be, but anyway. Okay. I, my last partner before this, and this this really turned me off to partnerships. She ended up filing patents on the technology that I came up with, with her own name. Like just as we were going through our business, uh, she filed patents, which is something that she was going to do. And I looked at the docs. It didn't have uh, my name on it. So I was like... She said it was an accident. She omitted it, but it wasn't. It was done on purpose. So it really, really turned me off this whole trust thing. So, uh, you know, marriage is the same thing. I, I probably the same pattern that was in my marriage, this whole trust thing uh, that came up. But now, as you said, twilight years, <laughs> older and wiser, there is something to be said in exactly what you said. Number one, alignment of values. So you go through with your partners and you figure out, where your values are. Number two, alignment of skill sets. You have your skill sets and you align your skill sets that are complementary. Number three, it has to be this whole balance of who is up front, right. who's in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my my last part in the one that, that filed the patents, uh, I said, yeah, but I'm the face of the company. And she said, you're the face. Look at this face. How can you be the face? So she didn't get it. But she didn't have a prettier face than me. <laughs> and also figure out who's how you're going to deal with the money early on. Just get the elephant out of the room. What's the partnership? What's it going to look like? Maybe even bring in a lawyer. That's always hard. It's like you trust this person, but you know at the same time it's got to be official and it's it can't just be a handshake. I think in some cases it really should be like formalized uh, in some way and just deal with the money thing right off up the front because it's going to become an issue later. Always does. Must just deal with it. Must. Yeah. yeah. Lawyers. Lawyers, as much as you may not like them, are very important for these things. But yeah. you have to negotiate, shake hands on it, and then get a contract in place and, and understand that everybody 
is aware of it. So there's no resentment because that resentment right. builds and then people do stupid things uh, to one another. So. So let's get to this. We have, a, we have a new segment that we want let's to introduce. Get, let's do it to the um, to the podcast, and it's really based. And by the way, if you hear a sound of a dog barking in the background, it's because I just got a puppy, and I've slept a total of about three hours in in the last four days. So if I seem a you little, have a, you have a new baby in the house. I have, basically have a new goes. baby who's just <laughs> pooping and peeing all over my house and eating everything that I've ever liked in my life. Anyway, puppies are great. They're great, great companions. Yeah. But we are about to introduce a new segment this is what are we calling this segment what do we come up with a name well do we want people to help us come up with a name? i think that's actually a great idea if you could help us come up with a name and i think we should set the scene here a little bit obviously len and i love to talk about music we both love music it's played a huge part in both of our lives and we love to share the different music that we like with each other there is a youtube series currently running that we love that a lot of people love it's very viral these two guys have recorded a video series where they listen to kind of like classic music like um, Phil Collins. Now, these guys are like maybe probably like 15, 16 years old. They listen, they'll listen to like In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. They listen to Dolly Parton's um, Jolene. And then they film their reactions hearing it for the first time. And it, it is just the greatest thing we've ever both ever seen. You guys should yeah. definitely watch it. But we thought like, why should the kids have all the fun? Let's have two older gentlemen uh, listening to music for the seasoned first Seasoned adults. Seasoned adults <laughs> listening to music for the first time and see their reactions. And we thought it would be even more fun if we introduced each other to new things that we might not have heard before and to see our reaction, whether we like it or don't like it. And I want to call it hard of hearing for the first time or something like that. But I think that we need to come up with a name for this segment. So please let us know and we will credit you in the next episode with helping us come up with a name and we're going to come up with a little theme song for it. I just want to say this is one of the most difficult things that I have to do because you have a pretty in-depth knowledge of music. <laughs> Tell and, me about it. It's the same I, with you. Yeah, it was, it was a, I think, mutually a pretty difficult uh, experience because we just asked, have you ever heard of an artist or something like that? And, and John heard a bunch of them and I heard a bunch of them. So it's right. very, very difficult. And then in addition to that, now I have to make a decision which one I want to go with. And right. is Which song from the artist? Yeah, yeah. So it was a, it's a daunting. This is going to be hard. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to actually really lean on my son because he's the one who knows all the new stuff. And again, I'd like to reach back into the past and find stuff that you might have missed, especially in hip hop. That's yeah. going to be hard because you have a pretty good knowledge. I, I was, <laughs> I mean, you knew Mr. Dabalina. Yeah, I had, a, I had a few things I wanted to throw. Lucini, at man. Lucini, <laughs> but I mean, that's that's the, one of the greats. But yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. So you're not. It's going to be tough with hip hop with me, but. But I, but I've there. I'm always surprised. But I, I also want to say that one of the rules is, and it, because I was talking to my daughter and I, I was having her, but you have to like it too because yeah. she's giving me stuff, and I'm like, I don't yeah, even like I'm, that. I'm not, I, yeah, I don't connect to that. So it's got to be something right. you enjoy listening to that is uh, that you haven't heard, and, and vice versa. So that's well, that's I, or just appreciate. Uh, appreciate. Well, anyway, I'm not because I'm not sure. I'm already doing a disclaimer. We haven't even gotten to my turn yet. <laughs> I'm not even sure I love what I'm going to play you. I like it, and I think it's interesting, and it's sort of unique, and I want—I thought you would appreciate it, given your um, uh, your background. But you, why don't you set this up for me, Len, and then we're going to play it. Neatly. I'd rather not. I'd rather you really? just, just have pure... you listen to it and go cold in okay. and get your reaction like to and it. We, and we'll listen. You know, we're not going to listen to the whole full thing. We're going to listen like the first 30 seconds of it right now. Yeah, just listen to the first yeah. 30 seconds. Tom, or, so this is, I'm just looking at my screen now. This is Tom Mish, It Runs Through Me, featuring De La Soul and my reaction. It's pretty cool. 
to hear the chorus and the lyric but we didn't get to hear yeah. de la soul <clears throat> well Did yeah, they come if, you in wanna, the if you want to forward it uh, to uh, the uh, de la soul yeah let's uh, go to the de la soul part all right you guys ready here we go that glues the bounce of my bones jazz on my spine the hop is my home rap is my grind i'm riding on the back side of life we dance she threw me a chance her hands in my pants actually my pockets holding me tight whispering a dream i could hold in the night blood tight a rhythm that's throbbing my veins up to write it on the pad the pains like church the organ will invite the tears like birth the crying let you know i'm here held by the song that gave me a name dressed by the verse that gave me a claim it's just bass in the line safe to inhale and if you live well belong your years and the stay you will be yeah i like it a lot it's got that brazilian flavor it's really good i don't have any complaints I have to listen to it again to see if it would be something that I would have on heavy rotation in my car or something. But I did. I just like the groove. The video is really good. Tom Mish, you got to watch it because I love watching that woman dance. To who is that? Is that who knows which De La Soul member that was rapping? But plug, yeah, plug one, plug one, plug two, yeah. plug one. Um, but uh, yeah. no, that was good, man. So tell no, me a little just, bit about this guy. Yeah, I was just saying he's a British kid. He's got a. I saw his uh, a couple of his. Uh, concerts that he had uh, he did a tiny desk concert which is fantastic he's got a new new song out with uh, michael kawanuku i highly recommend that one too it's really funky and it brings back that kind of earth wind and fire uh but it makes it modern so if anybody's into that kind of funky soul and uh yeah and it's pretty new too it's, it's a 2018 it's, that's dope how'd you find out about it i get into these youtube holes right like i listen to something then i'm like it suggests something else and and i watch tiny desk concerts uh, oh that's the thing npr stuff so anybody anybody who's a really good musician if they're not they're going to be exposed during a tiny desk concert so anybody any of the audience members anybody who's listening i highly recommend checking out it's by npr uh they had a really cool one with big daddy kane recently it was uh really nice oh man i should check that out big daddy kane doing a tiny desk it's really cool yeah big up to my friend adam did a tiny desk in the 90s oh actually no not in the 90s probably like uh maybe seven ten years ago 
rest in peace, Adam, but he uh, founds a way and did a tiny desk, which is classic, which I love to watch because he's in it. It's a great tiny desk. All right. I've made a mid-show change here, but first I have to check with you. Have you ever heard of the rap group Crew, C-R-U? Uh-oh. Let's say no. So it just made me think of when I heard your pick, I was like, I'm going to, I'm opting out of my pick because I'm not sure I love my pick. I you called it audible. I'm going to play you something 1997 track from the group Crew, C-R-U. As far as I know, they only had two raps and they were, one was on one side of the 12 inch and the other was on the other side. I used to play this thing to death back when I was spinning records for myself in my room. Uh, not like I was out there playing it in the, in the park. This is called Crew, and it's just another case. Here he goes. It's really funky. I like it. It's it's got that vibe, but like we were talking about Delta Funky Homo Sapien. It's got that vibe that era that from the mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. That, that that mid to late nineties era where they had they started using the funk samples and it's got a little bit of a higher pitch kind of voice and yeah, I like that. That's like the crew, and the other one is called Pronto on the other side. Let's test your hip hop knowledge here. The main lyric is. This ain't funny, so don't you dare laugh. Just another case about the wrong path. Do you know what that's from? No. Now, this ain't funny, so don't you dare laugh. Just another case about the wrong path. It sounds really familiar, right? Yeah, yeah. That was Slick Rick um, Rick, children's story, right? Now, this ain't funny, so don't you dare laugh. Just another case about the wrong path. Yeah, we talked. Yeah, I had a. You love. Yeah, you had experience with Slick Rick. But anyway. Next time I'm going to play you the one that I wanted to play you. I wasn't All sure right. you would like it. Um, because... By the way, I saw Slick Rick two years two years ago now. I don't even know what what year it is anymore. But yeah, he was uh, he was very he was very interesting. Uh, very very hard to hear. I I saw a hip hop show where it had Biz uh, and uh, Naughty by Nature and you know all uh, all the old school guys and DMX was the headliner, which was another interesting thing, but. Yeah, Slick uh, Rick was there, and he did his thing, and he came out, and he had uh, the iPad. I think he even had more gold on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had so much gold on with the vest. Uh, I yeah, love that. I, I apparently, from my friend of mine, just saw him before COVID on the plane. I, if I had seen Slick Rick just like walking on a plane, I mean, first of all, you can't not see him. He's got an eye patch on. He's got gold <laughs> everywhere. I don't know how old he is now, but uh, so that was fun. Yeah, I, that was kind of fun. I want to keep man. doing that. I love this, man. I love to be introduced. Like one of my favorite things in the world is to introduce somebody to something they didn't hear before. Yeah. And that they like and they pick up on. And I love 
that. So I yeah. feel like you won. I liked yours more than mine. I was going to play you one where somebody sampled klezmer music, and I thought that was so interesting and creative. Uh, and I, I don't even know if I like it. I just thought it was so interesting that somebody would do that. If, and I thought you would appreciate it as, you know, a fellow Jew. You, you know, never we, no. we, we were sort of embarrassed by klezmer, but the fact that hip-hop artists take klezmer and make it cool was pretty cool to me. I'll play that next time. All right, I'm down. <laughs> Look, the, the whole thing is it's new music because there's so many old things that I'd love to share that you may have missed. So yeah. Maybe we'll mix it up. We'll Let's mix like it up. That. New and old. And hey, guys, send us your suggestions too. Yeah, hit, hit Glenn or oh, you can hit Len up, or you can also hit me up on Twitter at, at Kid Finesse, um, my DJ name. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate this. It was fantastic. Please, please keep your comments uh, going. And so grateful for all the feedback that we received. And I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, John, again. And see you guys on the flip side. And uh, yeah, tune in. Everything is personal and subscribe, leave your comments, leave your feedback and hit up John, hit up me, Len made DNA on all the social networks. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'm, we're going to end this podcast with a little snippet from Gangstar's Take It Personal, because that is the theme of this show. Love Peace. It. I never thought that you would grab me, undermine me. And backstab me, but I can see clearly now the rain is gone, the pain is gone, but what you did was still wrong. There was a few times I needed your support, but you tried to play me like an indoor sport, like racquetball, tennis, pool, whatever. All I know is that you attempted to be clever. Nevertheless, cleverness can impress, because now you've been exposed like a person undressed. And I can see through you, because I'm the guru. And what you're going to do when I start to step to you, because when I pay your back, I'll be hurting you. And this ain't no threat, so take it personal. Rappers and art, you can't own no loops It's how you hook them up in the rhyme style, true So don't even think you could say someone bit Off of your weak beat, come on, you need to quit I flip lines and rhymes that never sound like yours There ought to be laws against you yapping your jaws Originality overflows in me And the truth is that you wish you could live the life I live And take the lyrics I care But bear in mind that you can think this quick So Premier drops beats for me to say verses to And if I sound doper, then take it personal Thanks for listening to today's show To check out more great cannabis podcasts Go to podconnects.com Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canna podcasters right here on Pod. Connex, and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.